If you're tired of bad news, if you need some positivity, if you want to support small businesses, then welcome to Happy Grateful Blessed with Kaysville's own mayor, Tammy Tran. Here, you'll get to see the best of humanity from within Utah's hidden gem, Kaysville City. Every month, you'll discover small businesses, hear unique and incredible stories, and understand the difference you make in this wonderful city. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. I'm here today with Michael Hawes. Michael, thanks for being here. I've wanted to talk to you for a really long time. Well, thank you for having me, Tammy. Tell us about Red Barn Academy, Red Barn Farms, the Hawes family. Just go ahead. Introduce (laughs) yourself. Well, it's an honor to be here. My name is Michael Hawes. Um, I grew up here in Davis County. There's a lot to talk about, and I know we don't have a lot of time, but I will start with Red Barn Farms being a labor of love and a passion of mine and my family's. And it's important for the listeners to know that we've been here in Davis County since the 70s. So we've been here for quite some time. And the family background is commercial development, real estate. And to fast forward to really what started Red Barn Farms was the passing of my little brother, Dustin Hawes, uh, June 29th, 2012. We lost Dustin to an accidental heroin overdose. And when Dustin passed away, it really had an impact on my family, as you can imagine. We were really faced with one of two options, continue in denial, pretending like we didn't have a problem here in Davis County, or use the family resources in the little red barn that you see on the west side of Farmington to be part of the solution. And fortunately, we've been blessed enough and we took that opportunity and task upon ourselves to use this little red barn to not only shine a light on addiction and those that are struggling, but more importantly, to focus on happiness and what it takes to find gratitude in our lives. And most of us, whether it's a drug addiction or what we like to say is just unhealthy behaviors, is something that, you know, that's really what Red Barn was all about, is to provide a safe place for individuals to come to, to find some peace and some comfort and a really a non-judgmental location so they can be heard. And so as a person in long-term recovery myself, I actually call it my new life date, is uh, July 26, 2012. So just shy of a month after Dustin passed away, that's when I really started on my recovery path and came together with my family and you know, particularly my father. And we decided to use this little red barn to be a safe haven for individuals like Dustin to come to, you know, bless his heart, um, and people like myself and other families in the community so they could come and and talk about openly in a safe place uh, about some of their struggles. And so really it started as a dream and this little hobby that we had. And in the beginning, when we opened it up, we hosted AA meetings, Al-Anon meetings, um, different recovery meetings. And our goal was to have a meeting there every single night of the week. Um, my family really wanted it to be a nonprofit, so we were happy to get our nonprofit status in uh, 2014. And then we started on this journey of really trying to identify what we could do to help this individual, not just have a place to come to for a meeting, but really uh, a, an academy is what we call it today, or a training school where they could come for a length of time 
to change those unhealthy behaviors and ultimately recalibrate that moral compass. And really today, what you see there on the west side of Farmington is more of a campus uh, that includes housing. It includes obviously, you know, the food and the clothes. It is free, which we're happy to say that we are self-sustaining through our social enterprises. So we get up, we go to work each day, just like everyone else. Um, we come home at the end of the day, and then that's when the real work begins because we have a workshop every single day where we're teaching them these life skills to become productive members of society. It's, it's impressive. I've looked at other facilities uh, across the state and in other states that kind of have maybe a similar idea, but what you've done with your organization is absolutely incredible. It's beautiful. It's classy. I think people hopefully feel so honored to be able to be a part of it. And it's done, it's, it's such a community benefit. I'm, I'm just so impressed with it. You and your father and probably your whole family, you guys are big dreamers who take dreams and you turn it into action. And I was going to ask you about that. So having a, a background of, of maybe some addictions, we probably all have addictions of, of different types, but what gave you the confidence to know that you could take this dream and turn it into something that would truly benefit people? I mean, that's a big step to go from point A to where you are now. Yes, Tammy. And first of all, I need to thank the community, um, specifically Farmington City and Davis County, because we do. We have a really good team around us. And I don't think in the beginning we believed that it was going to be this big. We didn't fully understand the need that we had here in our community. And like I mentioned earlier, um, it started really just as hosting and having recovery meetings at the farm. Um, it was real quickly identified that we needed to provide housing. So we started, you know, building really a housing project there. So individuals, especially those with chronic homeless backgrounds could have a safe place to really get out of the cold and be in a structured environment for that change to happen. We've been blessed and we really believe that it's in God's hands and this is something that needed to happen here in our community. And so ultimately, we just we really just try to stay out of our own way and focus on saving lives, as altruistic as that sounds, but our motives are based on what can we do here in our community to really help the individual get back on their feet so they can become an asset to the community as opposed to a liability. Well, and tell us how you're different from some from a facility like Davis Behavioral Health, for example. So most of the facilities that the listeners are used to are what we call biopsychosocial models, uh, traditional treatment centers. You have the 30, 60, 90 day programs, uh, the different behavioral health agencies, and they do wonderful work. However, our population of people needs something a little bit more long-term. Our population responds well to individuals that have been down this path before. So I'd say the biggest difference between our program and some of the other facilities out there, Tammy, we're long-term. The mm -hmm. minimum stay at Red Barn is two years. Um, we don't have doctors or therapists or counselors that are coaching or telling our students, and that's what we refer to them as as students, uh, what to do each day. It's guys like myself and the staff that we have at Red Barn we're all in recovery. We're all in long-term recovery. And we have what we call recovery credibility. And so we, unfortunately, we, we don't manage medications, or maybe it is fortunate. We leave that to the other facilities out there that have doctors and clinicians that can manage that. And there obviously is a time and a place for that. 
our facility is based on hard work and getting up and going to work each day and really modeling what it is to be you know, a good father and a good husband and a good community member. And, and, and that doesn't change overnight. Most of us, myself included, with an addiction of over 15 years, that doesn't change with just a 30-day or a 60-day um, timeline. It's something that, that really does um, take quite a bit of time to do that and, and a lot of hard work. So we do feel that we're fortunate because we also teach life skills. In the beginning, we taught different workshops on leadership and goals. Today, we're very blessed because we have a partnership with Davis Technical College. They come in and they're teaching certification programs. We have a welding program now at Red Barn. We have uh, different types of leadership programs that are also conducted through Davis Technical College. And so these students now are actually getting certifications while they're at Red Barn. And you know, there's some barriers to entry to get back into, you know, living life as a productive member of society. So we help our students with driver's licenses, any type of documents, social security cards, birth certificates. Um, we like to say that our students are now voting and actually contributing. That's, that's great. And actually maybe even paying taxes someday. So instead of taking mm -hmm. from the community, we call it balancing the skills. And now we're giving back and we see ourselves as a real asset to the community. Well, you, you are. And as you're talking about all of these great things that you provide, it's incredible because someone like me who isn't really familiar um, with how things work, you know, I, I wouldn't real. I didn't realize that maybe someone would need help getting a driver's license or a voting card or you know, it's just some basic training that we don't all get and we don't all have access to. I think it's really interesting the way that you're set up. So you have several entities. I've been to Sticky Bird, great food. Uh -huh. I've been to your thrift shop. Beautiful, clean, well-managed. We've hired your movers several times mm -hmm. just to move Thank our company. We have, and you know, initially my husband said, hey, there's this company in Farmington and and I think that they might work with people that are learning about job skills. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, that's great. Let's support someone local and let's do that. And, and the guys showed up and they looked a little bit rough, some of them, but they were so incredibly fantastic, professional, kind, courteous. They did such a great job. And I was so impressed. So then we hired you guys again when we had another move because you do such a great job. And what I really love about this business model, this, this teaching model, is that it's, it's careers that you're creating. You're not just putting someone through a program, helping them say no when they're tempted. You're giving them skills to make them successful. Yeah. And, and it's incredible. So tell me about the, the qualification process. So, so you're with someone for two years. They're with you for two years. Yes. The minimum stay is two years. So how do you, can someone just walk in off the street and say, hey, I need help? Yes, and absolutely. Then, we okay. have an open door policy. There's really two ways to be admitted into Red Barn. We deal with a lot of the homeless population, so they're welcome to walk in off the street. They take a seat on what we call the bench. The bench is a really important tool for us. It's strategically located by the front door so they can look at their old life that they would be leaving behind as they enter into this new life. So about 20% of our population walks in off the streets. The other 80% is writing us letters from the different county jails. So I spend a lot of time in the Davis County Jail, the Utah County Jail, Weber County. We receive letters every single day from the different jails. When we receive those letters, we screen those because there are non-starters to come to Red Barn. As I mentioned before, we don't do medications. 
We're not a medical facility. We don't have doctors. We leave that to the professionals and, and a different level of care. Um, we do not work with uh, people who have a history of arson or any sexual crimes. So what happens is once we receive those letters, we screen those letters, and then myself or another member on my staff will go out and conduct those interviews. And it's a very frank, uh, intense conversation. We're really trying to qualify to see if they're appropriate to come into the program. Once we accept them into the program, then some real heavy lifting begins because then we need to get the judge on board, the prosecutor, okay. and sometimes even the public defender. So it's really one of those where once they are admitted and they do go to court, then they will suspend or stay the sentence based on the, the level of success they have in the program. So for example, if someone is facing two zero to fives in prison and they do get accepted into Red Barn, the judge will say something like, you know, with a successful completion of Red Barn, then we will terminate you and, you know, you're good with the state of Utah. So a lot of the students that come into the program, a lot of them don't really know what they're getting themselves into. They just know they don't want to go to prison. And so we are a free program. And so it does not cost the individual any money. It we're, we're the taxpayers. We're the taxpayers. Yeah. No state taxes, no federal taxes. And really, we are self-sustaining through the social enterprises that you mentioned. You know, Sticky Bird, a lot of people think we're selling chicken. And, you know, I can't speak to that because, full disclosure, I'm a vegetarian, but I hear mm -hmm. the chicken is wonderful. Um, but we really are selling hope. We're selling redemption. And when you go into Sticky Bird, it's fully staffed by the Red Barn students. They're very appreciative of this opportunity. And for a lot of these, you know, young men and older men, they're on a winning team for the first time. They've mm -hmm. never been on a winning team. So when they show up to your house to move, I will sometimes, you know, tongue in cheek say, these are some of the same fellas that, you know, late at night when they're active in their addiction, they might've come in your back door <laughs> and maybe stole your VCR or something. Mm -hmm. I don't even think, do we use VCRs anymore? But now they are the individuals that are coming in the front door and they are they're very, very respectful. We have over five, six hundred five-star reviews on Google. They are. They're incredible. And they're, and they're just very grateful for this opportunity. And what we've learned, Tammy, is that integrity is a drug. And most of it's us true. that have that history, when we get a little taste of integrity and accountability, we want more of it. And we like the responsibility and we feel honored that we can come into your home and and it's the nicest compliment you can pay us by hiring us again mm -hmm. and then sharing that. And recently we opened up the thrift store. And so now we have a retail opportunity where the public can come in and, and shop. And really that is our goal is to really break down the stigma. And the way that we've been able to do that is by these social enterprises. And so they don't just fund the program to keep the lights turned on, but it also gives the community an opportunity to connect with these students because ultimately they have big hearts. A lot of them have just made some unhealthy decisions. And, you know, as I get to know these students through the interview process, a lot of them have been set up for failure. They've either struggled with um, sexual harms in their history. Some of them, the first time that they ever do drugs, it's with mom and dad at the dinner table when they're 10, 11 years old. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them are really in a tough it's, it's position. It's not as though they were seeking these things. No, no. So to give them this opportunity to reinvent themselves is a real honor and a privilege that I have. You know, you spoke to um, the gratitude that the students feel to have these opportunities. I love going to Sticky Bird because it is a good experience, you know, and I'm, and I'm driving through. But when, when they take my money and they give me my order, 
they are so happy, at least the people that I've interacted with as I've driven through. And they'll honestly say, thank you for coming. And I feel that they actually are grateful for that. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's a good, like you said, integrity, it's addicting, right? I love just feeling appreciated yeah. as, as someone that's going there to buy fruit, food and, and giving them an opportunity to serve is, is incredible. Well, and I think it's important to know as well, the students that are actually out in the marketplace working, they've already been in the program for a certain period of time. There's an internship phase that we go through when they first get here at Red Barn. In the first 90 days, they don't leave the program. Um, These behaviors, we believe, are learned and cultivated over time. And when the magic happens or the miracle happens, that aha moment Mm -hmm. that we talk about or that awakening occurs, that's where the gratitude comes in. That's where the love comes in. That's where this, they now see life through a different lens and they want to give back. And we talk about living amends because a lot of us have taken so much from our communities and from our families and we are now eager to give back. And we're so grateful for this opportunity. And, you know, it doesn't happen and work for everyone that comes to Red Barn, but those that are actually out working, doing the moves, working at the thrift store, they've been with us for a significant amount of time. And we call them our rock stars. And we have a lot of rock stars at Red Barn. Michael, it's a great program. I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about your dad Mm -hmm. and giving you probably a second chance yeah, or, or multiple chances. So when you, um, when you had your aha moment after your brother passed, mm-hmm. I would love to know how that felt. And then it was amazing, Tammy. Um, I think my dad has given me more than two or three chances. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest, he has bailed me out of jail more times than I can count. Um, he has helped me uh, when I've fallen short numerous times and not just me, but Everyone here in this community, um, Rich Haas does a lot for this community. Yes, he does. And a lot of it he doesn't talk about and it's, it, it goes unnoticed, but you know, we have 60 men in our program. And so not only is he helping me, but he's also helping those other men. And so I feel a sense of obligation and a fiduciary responsibility to pay it forward. And most of us that are in recovery understand that in order for us to keep this, we have to give it away. And so I developed a mantra a long time ago that I will never say no to a reasonable request. So if someone wants to hear my story, if someone needs some help, it's something that I feel so blessed that I hit a bottom in my life. And fortunately, you know, my, my plan was different than my little brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, Dustin, I believe, took one for the team in order for myself and the opportunity now for me to share and really to move forward and help other people. So I will be forever grateful to my father, to my family. And also, you know, I need to also talk about my mother. You know, we lost my mother, bless her heart. Uh, my mother, we lost uh, three years ago. And when you go into Sticky Bird and you look at some of the colors that have been picked out for the, the chairs, they're all multicolored and the countertops and all the design, that was all because of my mother. And so when I go into Sticky Bird, it is a little bit nostalgic because her picture's on the wall there with my little brother, Dustin, to tell the story. But really, I call my mother the angel donor. And she is such an important part of the story for Red Barn and my story. And I truly feel closer today 
to her than I ever have. And she's just, she's, she's, she's been a blessing and she'll continue to live through Red Barn. I think that's beautiful. I feel closer to my mom now and she's, she passed six years ago than I did when she was alive. So I love that you brought your mom into this. Thank you for that. Having your parents believe in you along this whole journey. I mean, you're lucky you had someone that did believe in you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people probably haven't up until now that they've been able to find this resource and the academy. When you went to your dad and said, hey, dad, I've got this, this idea. Was he completely on board? Did he say, ooh, I don't know. Or was he, was he okay with it? I think there comes a point in life, Tammy, where we become so open and so raw and coachable and willing. And really this concept or this idea of Red Barn was patterned after a couple of different programs that were out there. We knew we wanted to use Red Barn to give back. Um, I do remember my mother saying to my father when the Little Red Barn was built in 1998, Rich, what are you doing there on the west side of Farmington? That Little Red Barn by itself. And his response was, I'm not exactly sure. It just feels right. Really? And then when we lost Dustin, it was kind of this coming together as a family and saying, why don't we use this in order to honor Dustin? I think at the time we didn't fully understand the need that was there and how much this would grow and will continue to grow. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 been a, it's been a huge blessing for all of us here in the community. It really has. And I also love that you said your brother took one for the team. Yeah. Because he really did. It sounds like none of this really would have come to pass without him. No. It's, those it's a great way to honor him. Pivotal moments in our lives that really will change the trajectory. And in the moment, it was tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes we become a prisoner of the moment and base our you know, the judgment based on the emotions that we're feeling um, in that moment. However, today, you know, we had a graduation a month ago. We graduated 13 students. And to watch those 13 students, those men, those fathers, the sons, the brothers reconnect with their families and have their families there to celebrate them. It's, I know Dustin and my mother both would be very proud of the work we're doing. That's really neat. Do do people get to interact with their families while they're in your at your academy? That's a great question. In the beginning, no. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> we go on... through a blackout period in the beginning. Most of us have done so much harm to our families. Mm. We don't stay consistent, especially with our kids. So we, as part of uh, the leadership team, have made it very, very clear. And when I conduct interviews and bring people into the program, I make it very clear that there is a blackout period. You will not be talking to any family members for a certain amount of time, and specifically the kids. In order to break this chain and in order for us to have healthy relationships, we cannot be in and out of our kids' lives. We can't make these promises and have them go unfulfilled. And so it's usually about a year before students will actually communicate with their kids. Now, after they go through the blackout period of the first three months, they'll start writing letters and phone calls that are monitored to healthy members of the family. But that transition piece back to the family becomes so important. And especially we, we really look out for their children because we want them to be in a healthy, really space before they reconnect with their families. That's neat. And that probably gives the families time to see that there's actually being some progress, not yeah. just empty promises. Well, and I think families are tired. Mm-hmm. You know, most of our back students that not only the family, but the state, the state wants to throw them into prison. We've burned a lot of bridges. 
and we've ruined a lot of relationships and there's no substitute for time. And the families want to see a changed behavior before they let that individual back into their lives. Michael, you've talked a lot about credibility in terms of working with with individuals. You've, you've definitely got your street creds there. You've been there. You've done that. Tell me what you've done to earn credibility um, with the courts. I, I'm so impressed by all of the, the education and, and the learning that you've. You know, thank you for pointing that out, Tammy. In the beginning, it was very difficult. Um, I would go to the different courts around Utah. I did a lot of marketing. My background is marketing and sales. I told my story. I shared with whether it was judges or public defenders or prosecutors that we had started a new program. I think, you know, no pun intended, but the jury was out on us. It was really important for us to really fulfill the commitments that we had made. Um, There is a track record out there because there's different organizations around the world, although there's very few of them that do what we do. But in the beginning, it was an uphill battle. It was definitely something that took some time. Um, We were very patient. And now the proof is in, you know, the social enterprises and when our students graduate and go back out into the marketplace. And so it's kind of that ripple effect and we've gained some momentum. But in the beginning, there were a lot of doubts. There was a lot of questions. How are you going to keep these men, Mm -hmm. you know, because we're not a lockdown facility. Oh, really? So someone could just leave. Oh, absolutely. And we do have students that if it doesn't work out well for them. We have a very close relationship with adult parole and probation. If someone does leave the facility, then unfortunately they are headed down a different path and there will be a warrant that will be issued for them when they are picked up because they're picked up every time unless they pass because we have gone to a few funerals, as you can imagine, over the years. Then they will actually go back to jail or prison and they will fulfill the original sentence and then some. We are a zero tolerance facility. So judges will often say, Mr. John Doe, if and when you fill this program, not only will you do the zero to five, you're going to do an extra five years for wasting the court's time and wasting Red Barnes' time. Incredible. So there is That's a healthy good. incentive That's good to hanging be. over their heads because I think it's important to know our average student has been arrested more than 30 times. Really? Has been to jail more than 20 times and to prison two times. That's your average student. That's our average student. That's... So yes, we are very closely aligned with the corrections and especially our dear friends over here at uh, Davis County, very close with the judges and very close with the prosecutors. That's great. So we are, we watch this very closely and our security is very, very tight because as you can imagine, we've had a few challenges, um, especially when we were starting the program here in Davis County, because you hear the term, not in my backyard. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what we've had to overcome. And now because of the success that the students have had going back out into the community, it really lends itself to, you know, people like yourself and the rest of the community that says that this is a worthwhile endeavor. It absolutely is. I've, I've been impressed with how hard you've worked. You talk about working hard and you've done it and you went back to school as well I did. I did. to get some additional education. And then the certifications that you're providing through Davis Tech and through your own programs Give people a career and a new life. Yeah. And it is really, really incredible. Well, thank you. I wanted to quickly just ask you about your future plans. Future plans. Well, we're dreamers. We still have some additional property out there. Most importantly, (laughs) you're achievers. Well, and we've surrounded ourselves with very wonderful people that also believe in the dream. Um, It's growing and will continue to grow. We do have some additional property out there. 
My hope would be is that we could continue to expand the campus. I have to be careful when I talk about um, introducing this as possibly a co-ed program. I wondered about that. When we initially started Red Barn, it was our mission was for the whole entire family. Um, currently, we're a men's only facility. At the right time, we would like to introduce women and children into the program. I think that would be an important component for us to work together because that's real life. Um, we need some additional structures and additional support and staff to be able to accommodate that. I also see us, and we've talked to Davis Technical College about doing some type of a satellite campus at Red Barn, something brick and mortar. Currently, we have the DTC welding trailer out there right now. We work closely with the Weber State College and their supply chain management program. I would like to see something more concrete out there. I'd like to see a rec center out there where that would be great. we have a swimming pool and a track and, you know, obviously now pickleball. So we have to do pickleball <laughs> right. courts. Pickleball's a race. Um, but I, I do see us continuing to grow and also grow our social enterprises. That campus out there will continue to grow. Michael, thank you. It's impressive. As you're talking about this and sharing this, I hope you feel proud. I hope you feel proud of everything that you're, you're, you're accomplishing. It's incredible. Well, thank you. I, I have to say that, you know, growing up in a family with wonderful opportunity and such loving parents and, you know, I didn't see myself as the executive director of a life skills academy. I, you don't go to high school and, you know, talked about a career doing something like this. And I feel like I've been called to this work and I feel very blessed to continue to do this because it keeps me humble and it reminds me as I go into the jail and I will be interviewing today at the Davis County Jail that I really am only one bad decision away from going back. We, we all are and that's what we need to remember, <laughs> right? Yes, yeah, so I'm very, very blessed and, and just happy to be here today with you. That's neat. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate you being here. To all my podcast listeners, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your feedback and your support. Please leave comments and please leave suggestions for future guests. And most importantly, subscribe. Thank you.